Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we're so grateful for this day that we can come together as a body of Christ and learn more and more about Jesus. That's our desire, Lord, to know you, because we know that in knowing you, we have life, and we have it in all its abundance. And today, Heavenly Father, we come to you, of course, for our government and for all that's going on. We think, especially, Lord, of... Uh, the foreign affairs that they're doing and uh, all the difficulties that are going on with Putin and then also with China and then also the Middle East and all those who are characters who are involved in this. And I just pray, Father God, that you'll give them wisdom as they deal with these situations and other things that we don't even know about. We pray also too, Father, for <clears throat> the challenges that we have in our own lives. We think of um, the officers here in our city and for what they're dealing with again this morning of a shooting. And uh, yesterday we look at Buffalo and 10 people shot in a mall. Racially slurred, stirred the Lord and it's just mind-boggling and heartbreaking. But we know because the world is fallen that these things do happen. And we know God that we have the answer and help us to appreciate that but also to use it. And we pray, Lord, that uh, as the 
right now in our society, uh, sometimes the church is not looked up to and seen as a bastion of sanity and security. But we pray, Lord, that we can make an impact. We pray that our little church here can make an impact in Wichita. We pray that all over the world that churches will rise up and revival will take place and that people's hearts will be stirred. And that, Lord, this foolishness can quit going on, the deception of the devil. And that, Lord, that uh, people will see that God has created this beautiful earth for them to enjoy and to love each other. And yet all this sin and all this craziness that goes on that is breaking people, breaking people's hearts, breaking people's lives, destroying it, Lord. Lord, for being such a privileged nation to have so much at our fingertips and yet to see what is going on in our streets and in our world and what the world and what this nation has come to appreciate, Lord, we pray that we can turn that around and that, Lord, we can see it as life is so important and people's lives are important and eternal life is important. Jesus, give us that ability to convey that. And that, Lord, we know you're the one who only can bring about the stirring of the hearts. And we pray that you'll do that. We pray also, too, today for uh, those that are going through difficult times in their life right now. We think of um, our friend Daryl, who just had a quadruple bypass, been released from the hospital, now has gone home. We just pray for him, for his wife as he deals with her, but also with his recovery period in his heart because of that quadruple bypass. We pray also, too, for those who are um, recovering in other ways and are still sick and shut in. We pray for our friend Lucille. We think of Kay. Uh, we pray for Joyce and her situation. Lord, you know what that is, and I just ask you to work in there. We pray also, too, for um, Howard, and we pray also for Dan. I pray for those who are battling for addictions, Lord, that we know, Lord, um, that you will bring healing and strength to them. We pray for a dad whose brother um, has uh, a safe travel today as they go enjoy some of the things that they need to go see. I pray also too, Father, for um, this uh, situation that we have um, in our country, Lord, with the school systems and whatnot. We pray for our school right here, right now, that you'll look kindly upon it, especially with the fire marshal, and that things will work out and they can continue to raise children and uh, gear them up in the ways of the Lord. We pray also to those who are battling addictions for Ryan and for Jordan and for David and for Eric and for Ricky and Mitch and for Eric. Lord, these, Lord, are battling every day, and we just pray that they will look to you for their strength and victory over this, Lord. And I pray for each one of us, and last week we talked about the temptations of life, that you'll give us victory over those too. And Lord, we thank you for James today again, for he's so practical and gives us what we need every day to, to deal with life. And we just pray that, Lord, we can appropriate it in our own lives so that we can do and glorify you. And now, Father God, we come to you now and we want to hear from your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There were two men who were not experienced at air balloons. And what had happened was they got this hot air balloon and they thought they could handle it. Well, sure enough, as soon as they got up, a big gust of wind came along and took them far away into the clouds. They had no idea where they were. And finally, cloud break comes and there's a guy standing on a hill. And they say to him, Sir, 
Do you know where we are? You're in a hot air balloon. And so the guy turns to the other guy in the hot air balloon and says, they must be Christians. I think Alexis wants to preach today here. And um, they're in that hot air balloon, and the one guy says, he must have been a Christian. Because he said what was true, but it really wasn't any importance to us and didn't help us out. Sometimes Christians can be look like that. Our world sees that about us. Part of it is because they don't want to hear our answer. Because they're afraid to hear the answer, what we've got to give. And they know that we would talk about what's going on in our world and how sinful it is. But sometimes they look at us and they think we're from another planet. And that we don't have any answers that are practically helped. And today, as we look at James, James destroys that totally. The scriptures destroy it totally. If they really sincerely look at the Bible... They would see that, and they would understand, and they would realize that the Bible gives us so much. Look at what James has already given to us. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the trials that we go through and how God works in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, through faith. That gives us a joy as we're approaching even the big trials of life. We don't have to be afraid. And that we have God behind us carrying us. And that there's purpose in all that we go through in life. Then we also talked about temptation. And how easy it is for us to fall into temptation. And how the world, the flesh, and the devil come at us. And yet God gives us the plan. He gives us a way in which even though our sinful nature still pops up, we have an opportunity to break that. God gives us the Holy Spirit who we can rely on if we want to. And that we also have the Word of God that we hide in our heart so that we don't sin against God. But also James shows us that when we look at God and what He's done for us, and how powerful and beautiful He is, Our hearts should be generated. The more we grow that inside of our hearts, the less and less we're going to want to sin. The more grace we understand, the more joy we're going to have of the freedom to beat sin. But now today, oh boy, he's going to speak to us in several issues that are real tough. That's why it's a tall order. Because he says to us, listen intently. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, and slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. And there put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. One of the greatest things God has given to us is communication. Communication is so important for healthy relationships. And these few little phrases, be slow to speak and quick to hear. How many of us, if we would have done that, would have saved us a lot of difficulty in our lives? How many times have we heard it before? And what happens when we're quick to hear and slow to speak, understanding comes. And anger can be even avoided. But oftentimes it's the opposite, is it not? 
We're ready to give an answer. Even as this person starts talking, we know where they're going to go with this. And so we already are planning our answer. And we even cut them off and start speaking to them. We find also sometimes our anger starts boiling because we know the circumstance that they're saying and what they're saying to us and ready below. And you know, communication is so important. I don't know if you realize, but if you ever listen to air traffic controllers, it's amazing what they do. And amazing what pilots are trained to do. They state certain things and coordinates and also who they are. And then the air traffic, trader, uh, air traffic controller repeats it back to them. And then says, Roger. And then, then the air traffic controller gives them instructions, says, Roger. And then the other guy says, Roger. Now, I don't suggest you do this in your marriages or in your friendships. That you say, Roger, I've got it. But what a lesson it is to be able to read and feed back. And get from to speak while a person while people are speaking, we're listening, and then we respond to them that we understand what they have said, and then we are at that point giving feedback, and they give feedback to us. But don't say Roger, please. Good communication is so important. But there's also bad communication. There's poor communication. Sometimes there's no communication. You know why? I was reading an article and in it was a poem written by a gal who called the poem The Elephant in the Room. And the elephant in the room is, is that we in our living room have this big elephant and she's talking about grief because a lot of people avoid grief. And hide from having to deal with it and talk about it. And it's the worst thing you can do because it makes grief carry on longer. And so what happens is people get in their living room and they're going around this big elephant. Stepping on furniture and everything to get over and not have to deal with the crisis. And the same thing happens with a lot of things in our life. Not only grief, but issues. And that we hide ourselves from them and we insulate ourselves from talking about them. And yet... The Bible here speaks to us in a general way about communicating and speaking about it and sharing about it. Best way. But it's interesting in this passage, even though this is so helpful for us in our own personal lives, this is really not what James is talking about, personal communication. He's speaking about the Word of God. He is speaking about listening to what God has to say to us and understanding what God says and not speaking while God is speaking or blowing it off in our heads while we're reading it or getting angry about it or while the preacher is preaching it. Even though he may be saying something that we disagree with. And what was happening in some of these churches that were scattered People during the worship service would get up and speak against what the preacher was saying. Or they'd disagree. Or they'd even have fights. And let me tell you, I've heard of and I've seen in churches fights. When people don't listen and all of a sudden they're quick to speak. And when they're speaking, the other people are trying to speak and all of a sudden the fight breaks out. There was a church in this town. That the police had to go on a Sunday morning and break up a fight. 
in the sanctuary because of what was going on. And a preacher was supposedly speaking about something that he did in the fair. And he was crying and repentant. And there was people who wanted to keep him as the preacher. And there were people who didn't want it. And a brawl broke out in that church. And on Sunday morning, the police went to church, even though they didn't really want to. They went. Well, today James is speaking to us about the Word of God. And what's so critical about this is that we need to have such a respect for the Word. A lot of times we don't. We think we're going to just flippantly pick it up, that God's going to give us a verse, and then that will keep us in energy to go on for the day. No, James is saying, these are God's words to you. The author of the universe, the one who put it into motion, the one who they created all these things with just the words of his mouth, the one who is in control of everything, the one who sent his only begotten son to the world to die for you, to save you, who loves you personally, it is his words. And so we don't take these words lightly. We don't flippantly just think, well, give me something for today. But Lord, show me what you want for me today. And the word he uses and he speaks about, it's the word that is implanted in you or engrafted in you. That means that you just didn't come to this by your logical common sense. This word that when you gave your life to Christ, God put this word in your heart. And that through reading the word, it nurtures that word and explodes in your heart by the Holy Spirit to make you a new transformed person. That's what it does. And because of it, we should have an eagerness, a desire so badly in our hearts to let it change our lives and move inside of our hearts and do what is right. How do we have faith? The Word of God. The Word of God comes and brings us faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing the Word of God. It's, we should have hearts like David's men. In 2 Samuel, David made a little wish. Somebody had overheard him saying, I wish I could have water from Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was crowded and it was overrun and the enemy was sitting on top of Bethlehem. They were in it there and all that. And he makes this saying, I wish I could have the waters of Bethlehem. Talking about maybe we can invade it and take it over. And instead, some guys go over there in the dead of night, risk their lives to get a little water for David to be able to drink from Bethlehem. Our desire for God's word should be that way. That we should really drive ourselves into desiring it. And that we should accept whatever God says. The Greek word is there. means like a soldier. You ever watch when a soldier comes and sneaks into a classroom? And all of a sudden, his little son or little daughter sees him. And they run full blast to their dad to, or mom to squeeze them and hug them. That should be the kind of heart, that acceptance. Imagine, that's, that's how we should be towards God's word. And then we should have 
the yearning to hear what it says because we know it's good for us. Let's just say, for instance, in this room, somebody's a billionaire and they put you in your, the will. All the people that are in this room right now, everybody's in that will. Now tell me, when that person dies, are you going to just kind of casually walk in the lawyer's office or are you going to be going, Ooh, baby, I want to hear everything that he says and what he's left me. We're going to be jacked. This is what we have. We have God's will given to us in the word. And that's the way we should approach it. That we should be so thrilled about it. And that we should humbly then come before God with our open arms and say, God, speak to me. And that we shouldn't be saying, well, God doesn't really mean that. God, well, you know, that, that's a whole different story. It's my choice. It's my body. <laughs> what does the Bible say? You are bought with a price. So you're not to be slave of men. That you are mine, God says. I have you as my own. That's what we should have. Not be mad about it. Not be angry about it. And that we should live lives that are willing to fight for it. And give ourselves to it. But we also know there's some Christians or there's some who believe that the Bible is not the fully inspired word of God. They believe it's a book written by men about God. That's not the Bible. The scriptures are inspired in every part of them. And the Bible is not man's word about God. It's God giving to us a glimpse, a little glimpse of who he is and his love towards us. And that we can see plainly what we need for our everyday lives. And not be angry when God puts us away maybe or tells us we need to change. Instead, we should be thrilled that God, our coach, is willing to work with us and develop the skills that we need to honor him even better in our world. Because let's face it, there are some people who get angry. They don't think they need to change. I've had people who don't, they, they, they believe they're Christians, and yet they believe that their good works are going to save them. I had this in my first church, and oh man, I had one guy who got so angry with me. And left the church, he was one of my top board members. And he was so angry with me that I had the goal to tell him that he needed Jesus to be saved. <laughs> I hope he changed his mind. Because that's what the Bible says. And his anger was great. And you see, anger blinds us. Anger blinds us from seeing what we really need to see. Anger keeps us from changing because it builds inside of us. We are right and they are wrong. It gets very personal. And James said, no, 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 no. We should not let anger rule us. But the righteousness of God, that should rule us. Let me tell you, if you have a problem with anger, 
I used to have a terrible temper. Horrible. When I first met my wife, she thought I was a lunatic. And I was. Even though I was born again and I knew Christ, I had a pretty bad temper. But then, she confronted me about that. And she made me realize that this was not a good witness. And that I was dishonoring the Lord with my temper. Now, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong to be angry at times. But we're not to sin. It's so easy to belittle and berate people when we're angry. And say things that we should not say. And how many of us have said things in a fit of anger that we wish we could take back? Sticks and stones will break my bones, nothing's going to hurt me. That's the lie. Because they do hurt. And they do great damage to people in their hearts. And in relationships, when we say things just to win the argument, but we may lose the war. And we need to watch what we say. One of the things that I learned in order to beat that anger thing was to do javelin prayers. That means to take a javelin, throw right it at the situation so that I do not say the words I would like to in my sinful nature, but that the Lord keep me calm. Let me isolate on the issues. Help me to work on this person to calm down so that we can talk about this, that we can deal with it. Some of the things God has shown me in my life of things that are not worth fighting about. How many things have you ever fought with somebody that was so foolish it was ridiculous? And I've seen it in my own life. I remember a Super Bowl six years ago where a guy, him and his brother were fighting over who was the best team on the field. And the one brother picked up a baseball bat and hit his brother in the head and killed him. That's how foolish it can get. And there's story after story of how people became so, become so foolish with anger. And one of the things God showed me is that when I see some of the things I see as a police chaplain. And what people do to each other is to say to each other and destroy life. I come away and I say, there's not much to fight over. I fight for the truth, but I'm still reminded not to do it in a sinful way. But I need to battle sin in our world. I need to battle for God's righteousness. But just because I'm battling for Christ's righteousness doesn't mean that I have a play card, that I can go to jail card, that I can be free when I do something nasty to somebody. I can't do that. The Bible says, be angry. But sin not. And so what I need to do then is put on the full armor of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit sensitize my heart to that person who's screaming at me. And I try to say, I'm hearing you. You can calm down. But you don't understand. I'm trying to understand. There's some people who you can't once they're lit. They're like old faithful, every two, 52 minutes they go off. But you, as far as you and Jesus, you 
live in that righteousness and free that person. And we are to look at God's word. And there are times God's word may get you angry because you know you've done something and he's pointed it out to you. that David got angry with Jonathan, with Nathan. And when he discovered who it was, he fell flat on his face. So we are to listen intently. But then look what the Bible says. Live intentionally. But be doers of the word. Not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is here of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. And he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looked like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James is hitting us hard this morning. He's saying, when you get up in the morning, this morning I looked at myself and I said, oh, a lot of nubble there, Dave. Better get some jackhammers and get some of that stuff off. When I look at myself and I see the work that I need to do, I didn't turn away, but I got the shaver out and I got the toothbrush and the clippers and all that to look somewhat presentable. And James is saying to us, examine yourself with the word. Look intently. Don't look superficially and walk out. Look deeply into your soul. And let the word of God examine you closely like an x-ray. Don't make the mistake of forgetting what you learned or what you saw and just blowing it off. If I would have came in here and blown that off, I would have shaving cream here. Probably have a couple of little nibbles here. But you see, James is saying, look intently. If you really want to be free, look with inside of your soul. And look deep of what's causing what you're doing. I was with a young man not too long ago. Having troubles with his marriage. And trying to get him to understand that the, what he came into the marriage with and what she came into the marriage with were two bags full of emotion and ways in which to deal with life that did not connect. <laughs> and guess what? They have a lot of battles. And I, I could see it when I said to him, do you realize that the way you've been through as a young person affects the way you're treating her right now? Do you realize that what your mother and your other grandparent treated you like is you're reading into the way she's reacting to you and you're seeing them and you're taking your anger from here and bringing it to her? Oh, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think so? Are you kidding me? You're bringing your past in and you're reading it through the way she's reacting to you. And she's reacting because she sees you and there's stuff in her side of her that's causing her. And what you need to do is put Christ at the center of this marriage and start taking and peeling away what you 
You've got to look and see what's inside and what's motivating you to treat her that way and start treating her like Jesus wants you to treat her. That's what you need to do. You need to let Christ rule your marriage. You need to let him be Lord over it and not these baggages of sin and hurt and anger that you're carrying from your past and you're throwing them on her and you're backing her right off with anger. You've got to love her. And God is in the restoration business. You see, not only does he want us to see what we are through the word and like Nathan did with David, then he wants to sanctify us, wash us from those things and become aware of those things and how they affect us so that then we can start the work of restoration, rebuilding it the way God wants to, and then transformation, allowing the Holy Spirit to make us so different and that we don't have to live with our past holding us, but that we can live with the future looking at Jesus and living in the way Jesus wants in that relationship that is so sometimes challenging. I tell couples when I marry them, do you realize when you got married or when you started this relationship, it's like in New York. We have the East River and the Harlem River that are strong places. And as they come, they converge. Do you know what they call that place? They call it Hell's Gate. Do you know why? The undertow is so great. People try to swim and they drown. Even some of the greatest swimmers have to be pulled out because the undertow. So, and when you have two people who have strong wills and strong personalities, which we all do. Sometimes we show it later on or in different spots. But when they come together, there's a tremendous undertow that could easily bring you guys down. If you allow it to. But in Christ you can gain the victory and make it through it. And become a strong stream together in a marriage. If you're willing to let Christ be in control. And you see this is the covenant that God has given to us. You see the covenant that he gave us. The old covenant was veiled. It was law. It was judgment. And the new covenant is grace. Forgiveness, restoration, and glory. And when you discover the glory that God gives you in the power of the Holy Spirit to live it in your personal life every day, it's a phenomenal thing. But the problem gets to be that we sometimes are buried. And, 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 it, and, and what happens is that we find ourselves sucked under because we're living in the world's way. And there's a, there's in each one of us, I love the King James where they, they translate this, they call it the super, yeah, I can't even say it, the superfluidity of naughtiness. That's what's flowing inside of us. We want to win. We want to control. God said that back in Genesis when man fell. He said the woman will try to stand on the man's head and control him. And the woman, the man will try to put under his feet and control her. And guess what happens? The reality is that we need to not allow that to control us. But rather to lift us and to be obedient 
to be listening to God's word. In the word there in the Greek, there's filth in us, the Bible says. It's our fallenness, really. And it doesn't want to hear what God has to say. And the word in the Greek means earwax. What happens when you have too much earwax built in your ears? You can't hear it. I know a guy who had gotten hearing aids. And he loved to use them on his iPod. And as he was listening, it stopped hearing it. Well, I paid $6,000 for these hearing aids. I should be hearing. He took it to the, the person and the person says, did you clean them out? Uh-uh, no. And once he got, she showed him how to, with alcohol to clean them out, he could hear clearly. But you see, the wax was blocking it. And what James is saying in the Greek here is that that fluidity of naughtiness or our sinfulness blocks what we need to hear and keeps us from doing what we need to do to bring about God's health, to live intentionally and to do the will of God. And at that point, we're going to become obedient and we're to just do it. Nike, the Greek word in the Hebrew, means to do it. That's what we need to be. We need to be doers of that word. And finally, then insatiably, give ourselves to the Lord. This is the way we victor it. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue or deceives his heart, his person's religion is worthless. He says, it's no worth it. You're following a bunch of rules that will not make any impact in your life. You can say all the things and you can do all the incantations of religion and you can try to be the best person you can, but it's not going to save us. It's when our hearts are sold out to God. Religion is the pure and in the undefiled before God. That means our hearts are wide open to him and we want to do whatever he wants. And that we're willing to do. This is what happened with Lot. Lot saw the beauty of Sodom and how good his life could be and how better it could be because he saw the physical beauty and he bought into it. But the tragedy of it is when, Sot moved into Sodom, yeah, when Lot moved into Sodom, Sodom moved into Lot's heart and he almost lost all of his family and everything that he had. But here the pure religion is taking God's word and experience it with an open mind and heart that's receptive and accepts it and wants it, doesn't argue with it, and then allows it to let the truth penetrate our hearts. And then take its power and let it change us, transform us. And sometimes we don't like that. It's hard. It's painful. I see this what happens in some parents that are dealing now with children in their 30s and 40s that still haven't learned the lesson. And a lot of times they've given them breaks and helped them out only to find it just got worse. It's like the caterpillar. You all know about the caterpillar. In fact, the Greek word here is used to metamorphize. That's what a caterpillar does. It goes through a period of metamorphosis. 
And that caterpillar sits on the tree and then it gets the shell over it. And then it finally has to break through that shell and squeeze itself through so the blood and the juices can all go to it. And then it becomes this beautiful butterfly. But if you take that caterpillar and that code and you were to use the scissors and cut it, it will never become a butterfly. It won't because it needs to squeeze through. And many parents try to help their kids not to have to squeeze and feel the pain of what the wrong they've done rather than to face it on and deal with it and change their lives. And what we see here is James is saying, let the metamorphosis take place. Go through those hard times and let the power of God reach your soul and change it and keep from being polluted by this world. Allow yourself to be set free and be the example. Isn't it sad this morning when we wake up, or yesterday we wake up and we hear of a young man who is anger and deceived by Satan, has anger and, and, and hatred and, and that he's racially motivated to kill 10 living beings in a mall or in a shopping center. Isn't it terrible when we hear about a, two boys who were deceived in Colorado and who went through killing children in a school and even a young girl who said that she would not deny Christ and put a bullet in her head. And that's why we need... We need to be doers and showers of this great faith that we have. This morning, there was a shooting. Terrible. In Wichita. While we were all sleeping. And it's the evil of the world. And we need to show there's a different way. As we live it and we speak about it to our friends. And that people will say about you and me, what makes you so different? I know a guy who met a girl in college. She had been to church most of her life. But she didn't know what she believed. In fact, she thought maybe we might be reincarnated. And then she met this odd guy. And he and his friends talked about their friends and people around them. And were worried about them, where they were going to go and if they were going to die and go to heaven or if they were going to go to hell. They cared about their needs and tried to help them through difficult things. It was something that was different about it. And... and, and she had questions but was afraid. But when she was on campus and with that person or, and they were talking to other people, they would share the answers to some of those questions. And then one day she sat down with this guy in a study session and said, what makes you and your friends so different? And he shared about Jesus Christ and the difference he makes in a person's life. And that night, she was going to go home the next day to her family for a funeral. And at that point, 
she went back to her room that night and she prayed and asked Christ into her life. Went back home to see her friends and went to the funeral and wanted to see if there was a difference in her life. And she began to realize there was. And all the stuff that she was crammed down her throat as a kid in, in, in church began to make sense to her. And she gave her life to Christ. Didn't tell him until a couple of days after because she wanted to see if it was real for her, and it was. And it changed her life because Christ touched her at that point through people who really lived the truth of the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the words that you've given to us today through James. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have in our lives. We ask you, God, that we will be willing and accepting and wide open books to your word in our hearts. And that you will change us as you promised you would. Not only will you sanctify and wash us clean from our sin, but that you will change us by your Holy Spirit. And that you will also take us and transform us to new beings. And that we can live a different way of life that people don't even understand, but want. Jesus, help us to be those kind of people. Your people. Your spirit-filled, loving people. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand now for our closing song and our benediction. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you this week as you go out and be an example to your world. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen.